Happy New Year! Drew Dixon here, Chief Content Nerd at Love Thy Nerd, back with you for another Bible Thump. And we're beginning a new year. And I know 2020 was rough. Um, I think we're looking at a brighter 2021. That is my hope and prayer for you and for your family and for um, just for all of us. Uh, I hope that 2021 is brighter. And in light of that, I thought it might be good to go back to the Gospels. Because the Gospels are, by their very definition, good news. And so, I want to go into what is probably my favorite gospel, the Gospel of Mark, which begins by telling us, I've got some good news for you. That's how Mark begins his gospel. He begins by saying, I've got some good news for you. And I think we need some, don't we? Um, Even with the vaccine or vaccines on the horizon, um, I think the reality is, is that it's been a rough year, and we all need to hear some good news. And so, this is how Mark begins his gospel. I'm just going to read the first seven verses, but he begins by saying this, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So, he begins by saying, hey, I've got some good news for you. That's what the word gospel literally means. It means good news. Verse two, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, see, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you. He will prepare your way. A voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John came baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. John wore a camel hair garment with a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, One who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, uh, what do we mean when we say the gospel is good news? I want to unpack that a bit for you today, and really for the next several weeks as we kind of walk through Mark's gospel. Um, But first I want to point out that I think this is something that's sort of lost, uh, or sort of has been lost on a lot of Christians today. Um, We think of the gospel as this message... um, of salvation. Like, this is how you get to be saved. Like, it's this formula, right? Um, Trust Jesus, ask him to forgive you of your sins, um, repent, believe, boom, you get eternal salvation. You get to go to heaven when you die. You get to go to this place of eternal bliss. And the idea of salvation is something that comes out of the gospel, but it's not what the gospel itself is. The gospel is not just a message or a formula for salvation. At its very uh, foundation, the gospel is good news. And so, what would someone who heard this uh, in Mark's day have thought? How would they have processed this? Um, Well, I think it's important that there's two sort of root understandings of this. So, how would you think about this if you were a Jewish person living in in Mark's day, in Jesus' day, um, who heard Jesus preach the gospel? Um, and who heard John preparing people for the coming of this good news. And then secondly, what about in the Roman world? Because remember the gospel, this, the good news about Jesus entered into the world, um, primarily first to, to Jewish people, but it was to Jewish people living in a Roman world. And so, they would have been aware of Roman understandings of things. And there were certainly Roman people that, t- that play a big part in Jesus' gospel or in the Gospel of Mark, right? In the story of Jesus. 
And so how would you think about this if you were a Jew? How would you think of this uh, as someone living in the Roman world? So first, um, for a Jew in Jesus's day, this idea gospel was the news of Yahweh, the one true God, right? Yahweh's long-awaited victory over evil and the rescue of his people. Uh, they would have thought back to the story of the Exodus, right? And Moses leading the people out of slavery in Egypt. They would have would have immediately thought back to that time. And Jesus, in many ways, in Mark's gospel, is presented as this new Moses, right? This person who's taking what Moses did and fulfilling it and bringing it to its its long-awaited conclusion. So, so a Jewish person hearing the word gospel, they would think of Yahweh finally bringing victory over evil and rescuing rescuing people. Um, and that's why there were so many people that had a hard time with the idea of Jesus' crucifixion, right? Because they believed that Jesus, the Messiah, they believed that, that the Messiah would be this person who would rescue God's people from Rome, right? Every day if you were a Jew, you'd wake up and you'd see signs of the fact that that Rome is in charge in Israel, and you would not like that because that was a sign that, you know, perhaps God was judging us or perhaps things just were not as they should be, Right. And so, that was, that was a big part of it. So, the Jewish meaning is that the gospel would be Yahweh's long-awaited victory over evil and the rescue of his people. Um, so, what about the Roman world? How did the Roman world think of this idea of, of, of the gospel? So, in the Roman world, gospel would be a reference, would refer to the good news of the ascension of an emperor to the throne, right? Um, so, it would be you know, good news, good news, there, you know, Caesar has taken the throne or whatever. It would be that kind of idea. And so, later in Mark's gospel, we're going to see Mark himself tie this idea of good news to the idea of a new kingdom. In fact, Jesus is going to begin his earthly ministry by proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom of God, right? Um, he was going to say, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come, come near, repent and believe the good news. So, Mark's gospel begins with a royal announcement of good news. It's like Mark's trying to get our attention and wake us up. I've got really good news for you, and it centers all around this guy, Jesus, who is the Messiah, the Son of God. He makes some really strong theological claims here about Jesus early in this gospel, and he just jumps right in and tells us kind of the story. He skips all the narrative about Jesus' birth and about... Um, and really uh, very little about John the Baptist. We get a little bit of John the Baptist. We hear about what John's message was, and he ties it all to Isaiah's prophecy about the voice of the one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, which indicate that, um, hey, this person, Jesus, what he's doing is it's a, big, it's a really big deal. And uh, we, we find that John's kind of a weird guy. He's out in the countryside proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, and he wears some weird clothes, and he eats a weird diet, right? Uh, Camel-haired garments. Uh, he's got a leather around his weight, leather belt around his waist, and he's eating locusts and wild honey. Um, but here's the important thing about repentance. Um, here's what I want to say about this: uh, What does it mean to prepare our hearts for the coming of Jesus, for the coming of the Messiah? What it doesn't mean is that you need to, the fact that John preached repentance doesn't mean that you need to get your life together. You need to clean up your act. You need to fix all these problems in your life and all these moral failures and all these ways in which your character isn't up to snuff uh, before you can, you can meet with Jesus. That's not the point. 
That's not the point. Remember how this gospel begins. It begins by saying, hey, wake up. There's great news and I've got a royal announcement for you. That's what Mark's saying. And so, in light of that, repentance doesn't just mean to clean up your act, but it's it's this idea of saying, hey, um, there's a king coming and in light of that, things will never be the same. To repent means to turn around, to turn back. Um, and so, people would hear that and say, Jews would hear that and think about turning from sin. They would also think about this corporate act of turning from idolatry. You know, the, the people of Israel had fallen into worshiping um, the various pagan gods of the people around them, and so they'd think, they would think about that. Uh, there's a, a long history of the prophets calling God's people to turn away um, from sin and idolatry, but idolatry in the Old Testament is always connected to how we treat other people, how we relate to our neighbors. And so, in the minor prophets in particular, there's this long track record of God saying, hey, stop oppressing your neighbor, stop overlooking the poor, stop um, harming the the strangers in your midst, you know, the immigrants and, and so forth. Um, so, it was always tied to how we treat one another, how we live in community with one another. And so, there's this promise early on in Mark's gospel of a better community, and that's tied to repentance. And here's why repentance is good news. Sometimes we hear that word and we think like, oh gosh, um, somebody wants me to change my ways, my life again, before I can, I can have a relationship with God. That's not at all what it's about. Repentance is an invitation it's, it, repentance is a part of the outset of the gospel here, of Mark's gospel, because it's an invitation to a better world and a better life. You see, God is going to be in the business of baptizing people with the Holy Spirit, uh, whereas John baptized people for repentance, right? You see that contrast there at the end of, of the passage we just read? I baptize you with water, but he, John said this about Jesus, he, Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Remember in Genesis 1, we had the Spirit of God hovering over the... God created the whole, the, the whole world, the universe, and then the Spirit of God is hovering over, over the water. Um, see, God's presence and power are, are present right there at the very beginning in creation, but God is not himself identified with creation. He's there, but he's separate from it, right? Well, here, uh, Mark is saying Jesus would do the work of joining people part of God's creation, to God himself. Um, Jesus would do the work of joining us to God. And when we are joined to God, what flows out of that? Well, part of that is a turning, an acknowledgement that things can't just keep going on the way they've gone before. There has to be a change. There has to be uh, a, a transformation um, you see, Jesus is going to bring new creation to bear. He's going to resurrect and renew that which is dead and broken about our creation, about our world, about the world around us. And he's going to begin with, with you and I, with human beings. He's going to begin by resurrecting human hearts. Let me put it this way. Here's why repentance is a good news. Would you rather live in a city where people were known for their... Um, ambition and, you know, you know, selfish ambition and a city where everyone is competing to get ahead of each other and no one really helps one another out. Everyone is just a, a roadblock to everyone else's success, right? And everyone in the city, I mean, there, there's all kinds of corruption that's overlooked because of that. There's all kinds of oppression of the poor. There's all kinds of 
uh, of cheating and deceit and, and, and backbiting because everyone's trying to get ahead. Do you want to live in that city or do you want to live in a city that's known for its generosity and its kindness and its blessing of those who are in need? And it's, um, you know, a city where, where when people are hurting and destitute and in need of care and support, they receive care and support. People are in each other's corner and want to help each other succeed. People are willing to share when they have more than they need and are willing to support those who are suffering. Um, we all want to live in that second city, right? I mean, there's part of us maybe that wants to live in that other city because we want to be important and special and powerful. I mean, yeah, that's, you know, go back to the garden. That was a big part of the temptation that Adam and Eve faced and that human beings have faced throughout history. And in reality, a lot of times it feels like we live in that first city, doesn't it? It feels like that's the, co- the country and the culture in which we live. But we also see glimpses of that second city where people are generous and kind. We're going to see lots of glimpses of it in the way Jesus interacts with, talks to, loves, serves, and heals and, and, and ministers to people. We're going to see in Mark's gospel how everybody mattered to Jesus. Um, but you see, if we want to if we want to be a part of God's new creation, we need to we need to repent. We need to say we need to realize, hey, that first city that type we the the fact that the world is kind of like that first city that I mentioned, like that's 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 awful, and I don't want to be a part of that anymore. I have been on some level. If we're honest, we've all been a part of creating that kind of world, that kind of culture. Um, and this invitation to repent is good news because it says, hey, you can give that up. You can turn your back on that and embrace a new way of life, a new and better way. And it's a way that connects you to the God who made you for a relationship with himself. That same spirit that hovered over the face of the waters is the same spirit that breathed the breath of life into every human being and made them in his image. And he's here inviting us all to say, I don't want to be a part of this old broken world. I want to be a part of the resurrected world, the new world that God's spirit is bringing through the person and power of Jesus. So the gospel is an invitation to connect to the God who made you for a relationship with himself. It's also an invitation to repent. And that's not because you're not good enough. And you've got to be good enough before God will accept you. God will accept you exactly as you are. I'm wearing a hoodie that says, Jesus loves you, nerd, uh, that I just got in the mail um, from Love Thy Nerd, which, by the way, you should go right now to lovethynerd.com slash store, and you can buy one of these. Okay, don't go right now because I want you to finish listening to what I have to say. But after this, go and check it out and buy one of our hoodies. They're awesome. But I believe in this message. I'm not just, I'm just, I'm just giving a commercial for these hoodies. You don't have to buy one. I don't, it's not that big a deal. Uh, but, uh, but I believe that Jesus loves you just as you are. And I have good news. He invites you to a better world, a better life. He invites you to be a part of his new creation. He invites you to be a part of his spirit breaking into your world and the world of the people around you. You have an opportunity to bring the good news of Jesus to the people around you simply by loving them, supporting them, meeting their needs, showing them kindness, and saying, I'm not going to keep putting myself first.
right. I'm going to be a part of this new king, this new kingdom, and I'm going to join in with the, in the work of this new king, the king of the world, Jesus the Messiah. Thanks for listening. I'm excited about this series of the Gospel of Mark. I hope you'll stick with me, and um, I hope you have a really, really happy new year. And um, here's to hoping that uh, it's a brighter and better year. And even if it's another dark and difficult year like 2020 was, um, we have good news, don't we? And that good news has the power to change our perspective and give us hope. So we'll see you next week. And uh, if no one else tells you, I hope that you know it. I hope you hear it from us and hope you believe this. Jesus loves you, nerd. Jesus loves you, nerd.